Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Fail Mary podcast. It's happening. It's happening. Pre-season's over. It's all done and dusted. We are getting into the season tonight. Green Bay versus Chicago. Can't wait. Before we uh, before we get into things to look for in the first week of the regular season, let's have a quick shout out to the, the British-born players who've made it into the 53-man rosters in the NFL. Jack Crawford, he's made the defensive line for the Atlanta Falcons again. That's eight seasons in the NFL he's been there. So he's quietly been one of our, our most productive um, British NFL player. Jamie Gillen, the Scottish hammer, who has been going viral on Instagram and Twitter. He's the punt for the Cleveland Browns, sort of breaking the mould because he actually loves tackling. He's a big Scottish dude from Inverness who sort of runs around after he's punted the ball and just has been laying a lot of people out, which has been very entertaining. Um, of course, F.A. Obada, the defensive end for the Carolina Pan- Panthers. He's uh, He's got a brilliant story. He was born in Nigeria, moved to Amsterdam, then to the UK. And then from there, he joined the London Warriors and was scouted by the Carolina Panthers. And he is once again made their roster after bursting onto the scene last year. Obi Melifonwu is the safety for the New England Patriots. He has done very well in their uh, in their training camp. It's his first full season and he's really impressed. Mr. Bill Belichick, of course, is a DB coach initially. And Obi Melifonwu has come over and impressed Mr. Belichick. So he's done very, very well indeed. And finally, Jermaine Illuminor. He is a guard for the New England Patriots, recently drafted by the Ravens. And he's expected to start in week one as well. So well done to those players. Well done to everyone else who made the 53-man rosters. I can't wait for it, all, for it all to get underway. And I want to start the show with this. It's crunch time now. The uh, the draft and the preseason training and the joint practices and the training camps and the preseason games. These are all important things, but only the next 17 weeks actually matter in terms of making it to the playoffs. So all the coaches can really do is cross their fingers and hope that they've installed the right mentality and the right scheme into their team. And all pundits like me can do is cross our fingers and hope that we've made the right predictions and suggestions about various teams and their progress. What you're going to see in this in this first week of fixtures is tr- teams try and try and assert various things early on in the season. They're going to try and assert run games and defenses and passing games and special teams and coverage and all the things that go into a football game. And as I've said from the beginning, I think one of the three crucial things for you to assert early on in the season, especially but throughout the season, is a good run game. And as I said in episode one, it doesn't matter how you run the ball. It only matters that you are successful in doing so. So I want you to pay attention to two teams in particular in this first week of fixtures, because there are two teams that are both going to, I believe, run the ball very, very well. But they're going to do so for very different reasons. So the first team is the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens, as we know, have built this very heavy duty physical offense around their versatile running back Lamar Jackson who is as much a running talent as he is a passing one and the reason they're going to run the ball effectively is because they have so many different ways of doing it that when they step on the field especially early in the season when no one's got any film on them there's going to be no way of telling how they're going to run the ball which direction they're going to running in what looks they're showing from various formations and movements and motions before the play 
it's going to be impossible to tell how they're going to run the ball because they have so many options on the field to do so. They've got their elite hard-nosed rusher in Mark Ingram, who's traditionally a very strong runner. They've got they've got Patrick Ricard at fullback, who is a, a very good lead blocker and can set up holes for running backs to go through. They've got tight ends like Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews, who are very physical blocking tight ends and can open up extra gaps in their backfield. They've got their new rookie tight running back, Justice Hill, who's been amazing in the preseason and showing all sorts of shiftiness and speed. And they've got Lamar Jackson at running back as well. If they have all these people on the field at the same time, if they bring out Lamar and Justice and Patrick and Mark and their tight ends as well, then who's the ball going to? You don't know. You're going to be there on the you're going to be there on the field as a defensive player, especially if you're someone like a cornerback or a specialist coverage player who's maybe smaller in size. If they bring out a formation like that, first play of the game, you're not going to know what to do. They're going to there'll be there'll probably be some sort of motion or trick move. The ball will be disappear in the backfield as it's pretend passed around between different people. And then suddenly someone random who you didn't expect at all will be bursting away for 40 yards in one direction or the other. And you, you, no one's going to have any idea, especially early in the season, what this Ravens offense is going to look like. We know it's going to run the ball a lot, but we don't know how they're going to do it because they have so many options and so many ways of doing it. What teams are going to have to do is move onto the field players who are specifically brought in just to stop the run a majority of them will be big physical players who can get off blocks and beat tight end blocking and o-line blocking a few of them will have to be speedy and shifty as well so they can get after the faster players like justice and like lamar and defense is going to have to basically completely change the identity that they set out in the preseason in order to be able to deal with this entirely new way of running the ball that's based in history but we haven't really seen but we haven't really seen properly carried out in the NFL before. It's a it's a combination of fast and physical. So I want you to watch in game one. I want you to watch the Ravens as they take on the Miami Dolphins. And I want you to special. I want you to especially in the early in the game, try and guess where you think the ball is going. And this is as a spectator who's watching the game from above with all the TV angles. Have a go at guessing where you think the ball is going to go each time. Who's going to be the carrier? How are they going to rush? And then. Once you found out that that's very hard to do, think about how hard it would be if you were a defensive player on the field, stood with anywhere between 11 and 21 bodies in between you, blocking your vision, obscuring your view, and with no prior idea of how the Ravens run the ball to fall back on, because this is an entirely new scheme that they've introduced. The other team I want you to watch and identify their run game is the Cleveland Browns. And I want you to think about this with Cleveland. My guess is when Cleveland first come out into the field, they're going to bring out Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and David Njoku and Rashawn Higgins. That is three receivers in the tight end who are all very talented catchers of the ball, but also very good after the catch in terms of making extra yards as a ball carrying receiver. So again, it's the same problem. As a defensive player, when they bring out all these elite wide receiver talents, what are you going to do? You can't just leave them out there on their own. You've got to go and put at least one man on each of them. So that's four people out of the box. And then when that doesn't work, because Baker Mayfield is an accurate enough thrower to throw receivers open, you're going to have to put another person or at least Odell, probably Jarvis as well. So that's six people out there now, two covering Jarvis and Odell, one covering David and one covering Rashawn. And then when that doesn't work and you find that you need a security blanket to just play over the top and make sure that they aren't breaking for huge passing yards off the play anyway, you've now got six maybe seven people who are all having to concentrate meanwhile in the backfield they have nick chubb who's this very young very talented running back 
and suddenly he's facing four O-linemen and one, maybe two linebackers. Well, as a very talented running back, you fancy your chances there. That's you and five O-linemen against four D-linemen, one, maybe two linebackers. That's At the very least, that's an even matchup. And you know where the ball is going and the defence don't. And you've got all these weapons around you distracting the rest of the team as well. So what is going to be very interesting to see from a viewer standpoint is how teams will show one thing and then do completely the opposite. Cleveland are going to show pass and probably start with a very heavy passing offense because they've got all these talented receivers and they're going to want to make the most of them. But then when defenses commit to covering this passing game that Cleveland have created, it's going to open up the run game because they're too talented, a wide receiver group and a quarterback for you to leave players single covered or unmatched entirely. And once you've committed enough players to covering the pass, then they're going to punish you with a run. And it's going to be the same thing with Baltimore. Baltimore are going to show you run. They're going to bring out these heavy set offenses. You're going to have to move in bigger, more physical, probably stronger and probably slower players to cover up this wild and new run game that you haven't seen before. And then they're going to run a play up, a play action. A receiver is going to slip into the backfield without being noticed. Lamar Jackson is going to pretend to pass the ball off. Everyone's going to be guarding the run. He's going to turn around and he's going to throw it 20 to 30 yards downfield to a receiver who, even if he's not completely uncovered, will probably have a lot of separation because you can't afford to hedge your bets against teams that are this decisive in their running or their passing. So it's going to be very interesting to witness. I think both teams will have a lot of success very early on in the season, especially because no one will have seen their offenses before. It's going to be completely new. And even the best defensive coordinators can't sort of can't see the future and guess what's going to happen to the best of their ability. So I think this week, especially when Baltimore play Miami and when Cleveland play the Titans, we're going to see teams defenses already having to string themselves out and change their identity in order to be effective against all these different offenses we're going to see in the first half of the season. As we move further down down the line in the season, when offenses have when there's more film on offenses Um, more plays to look at, more time to scheme and identify and change your defence in order to work against these offences, well, then you'll have more of a chance because you'll know what you're looking at. The best defensive players will be able to look at something and recognise it from film and know what the play is before it's played, like Luke Kukli is very famous for doing that for the Panthers. But especially in the first part of the season, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how defence is trying to adapt to these brand new and more extreme forms of running and passing. And it's going to mean that Cleveland and Baltimore have a lot of success carrying the ball very early on, but for very different reasons. God, so exciting. It's all starting so soon. Anyway, anyway, moving on. We have our first guest on the show. He will be he'll be coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But first, I want to talk about uh, the fixtures, the first fixtures this week. Um, later on in the show, after we've had our guest on, I'll be doing something called the Akastaka, but more about that later. That's all coming up. So for this week, I wanted to introduce a feature where not everyone has time to watch, do what I do and sit up and watch Red Zone and all the games and stuff until ridiculous hours in the morning. So I can watch full games of people playing each other at two in the morning because it's very inconvenient that the Americans decide to play so late in the evening where they could just start in the morning and, you know, give the rest of the world a chance to see the games. But never mind that. Let's look at the games coming up this week. I'm going to go through them now and I'm going to pick out the one for you where if you have a chance to sit down and watch one game in this week one, 
at a, at a regular time that actual people are able to stay up to and still function in the real world, then that is the one you should watch. Um, well, we can't watch the Thursday night game. That's at 1.20 a.m. So I'll be up to watch that one and I'll give you all the details on that one. But I don't expect you to watch that one. That's far too late in the evening. Uh, Redskins Eagles at Sunday at six. But I think that's a pretty easy win for the Eagles. Bills Jets. Again, I'm quite excited to see the birth of Sam Darnold. But I think I think the Jets are going to prove to be, especially with um, Adam Gaze, the Jets are just going to prove to be a more effective offensive unit. The Falcons Vikings. I'm going to pick this one. I think if you have to watch, if you have one game and one chance to watch a game this weekend, sit down and watch the Falcons Vikings. Now, I haven't picked either of these teams to go to the playoffs on my initial projections, but I do think that both of them are going to be competitive in the NFC this season. Green Bay Vikings, of course, in the division with Green Bay and the Falcons in the NFC South with the Saints and the Panthers. What this game is going to hinge on and what both teams' seasons are going to hinge on, so this game is a good precursor for the, the season as a whole for both sides, is going to be the battle up front and how that goes. The The Vikings last season really, really struggled with their O-line. Um, Kirk Cousins lost protection in very, very crucial moments. Their defence is great. Their wide receivers are great. They have Dalvin Cook back at running back. He's a really, really underrated talent at running back. Very, very good, but been injured so much it's been hard for him to string a proper career together so the Vikings O-line is the big question they've done a lot to improve it this offseason but have they done enough and the same is with the Falcons the Falcons secondary is all returning from injuries that they suffered last season you cross your fingers that they'll come back and be as successful as they were before but the Falcons defensive line has a lot of question marks around it they've struggled to rush the passer at times they don't really have any star names that can do it on their own so they try and do it as a unit and again they've they've done bits to improve that side of the ball but I think this will be how the game and the season goes for both teams the Falcons are definitely going to reassert a run game they've done so much in the offseason to both their O-line and their running back core and Devontae Freeman's back so running the ball isn't going to be a problem for the Falcons this year but they are playing the Vikings who have a very good defense so the game is going to go close either way it's going to come down to can the Vikings move the ball on the ground against the Falcons. If they can't, then it's going to be Kirk Cousins' passing ability against the Falcons' secondary, which is not a matchup you'd like to see. If they can run the ball, then I think it will be the Vikings' game because it will take the pressure off Kirk, force Atlanta to make the first move defensively and try and apply more pressure, and then they've got Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and they can try and open up more space in the pass game as well. So this is a big game, but for the seasons of both teams as a whole, and this weekend, I think Falcons Vikings, give that one a watch. That is Sunday at 6 p.m. Joining us now all the way from Bristol, the University of Bristol, that is, is the head coach of the University of Bristol American football team, the, the mighty CUDA, as they are. Uh, is Coach Simon Preston. Hello, Coach. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Uh, I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I was, you are, of course, head coach of Bristol. You were previously head coach of the Exeter Demons and before that a coordinator at Bristol. Is that right? Thanks, yeah. Uh, good stuff. And the the new season, the new season for you starts in two weeks. Two weeks. Have you have you have you got the freshers there yet? Are they um have you got the new crop of uh, troops? 
No, um, we've got two weeks time of our pre-season kind of um, all the returners are coming back for a week um, and then we've got freshers week and uh, the assessment session I believe is on the 27th. Uh, okay. Well, I know the stuff already, that's good stuff. Um, are you excited for the new season? How are the returning crop of players that, you are, that you've got coming back? Yeah, really excited. Um, we've got kind of quite a good crop of returning players. Um, got a uh, starting quarterback, which is always useful. Um, returning running backs, um, really good crop of linebackers, offensive line. Um, yeah, pretty kind of solid across the board, really. So we're just looking for kind of skill players and get some guys that we can develop over that first year to get game time towards the end of the year. Excellent, excellent. Um, so you you went five and two last year. You had a, a strong winning record. Because um, I, I was I was a member of the CUDA just before you returned to the fold as a head coach, and our record wasn't quite as good. Uh, can you just say a few things about your your head coaching philosophy and how you how you turned it around at the University of Bristol? Um, I think mainly the kind of thing to, that they needed was just a, a little bit of direction, um, both on offense and defense. Get that kind of practice um, set up with a little bit kind of of a. A philosophy where you know we're going to go into each practice trying to aim to get better at kind of one thing not try and get kind of do too much in the short amount of time that you have um i think a lot of university coaches especially offensive coordinators can go into um season with kind of way too big a playbook um and that way you end up just with players that aren't totally 100 percent sure about what they're supposed to be doing when they're getting on the field um especially as say university you tend to get players that have not played before um, we've got zero experience of American football. So to keep it as simple as you can and kind of just coach technique rather than have to coach scheme is a, I think always a, a big philosophy. Excellent. Well, it's obviously it's obviously working out for you. What is your sort of your wider wider coaching philosophy is how you how you look to win games? Are you all about are you defence, are you offence, are you run the ball first? Do you like to pass the ball? Um personally I always like to kind of get as many players as we can that are gonna kind of win battles on defence. I think if you can go into a game knowing that you're only gonna, um, you're not going to give up much, many points, um, I think you kind of run yourself a little bit into being able to win more games that way. Um, offensively, you just need kind of um, athletes. Essentially, you need that guy that is going to make somebody miss a tackle um, and be able to kind of break away for that big touchdown. Um, and as I said, just keep it as simple as you can. Let people kind of play. Um, the kind of sports that they're used to playing, like rugby, football, where they're actually kind of moving in those types of ways. Um, and essentially, they're kind of in the trenches is the only place where you need to teach kind of different techniques, because obviously not too similar to anything a lot of these guys will have ever played before. Ah, interesting. I've never thought of it that way. That's, that's, well, I, I'm, I'm sad that I've left. I left the year before you joined, coach, because that sounds uh, rem- remarkable and, and obviously it was effective. Turning to, turning to the NFL. Sorry, do you have a Super Bowl pick for this year? Are you are you an NFL fan? First of all, I am. Yeah, I'm a Falcons fan. Oh, oh, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not all out on the Falcons yet. I think if you can if you can sort the O line out, you might be okay. Coach is a Patriots fan, so I've not lived that one down. Yeah, no, I yeah I was I think I was about for that actually. Super Bowl pick for this year. Oh, you can't not say the Patriots. Um, they're always going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah. Nice to see the Browns make a run, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to pick one team, and I'm going to write it down, and then if you are correct, then at the end of the season we will we will ring you back and congratulate you. 
Um, annoyingly, I think I'm going to have to say the Patriots. This You're taking the Patriots. I think that's, you know, based on track record, that's probably a very good choice. Yeah, I think so. Mm. We'd like to see someone else win, but I, I appreciate your realism. <laughs> Coach, thank you very much for coming on. No problem. Thank you very much. Good luck with the rest of your season, or the start of your season. And yeah, I will I'll check back in. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Coach Simon Preston there of the University of Bristol Barracuda and he is taking the New England Patriots as his Super Bowl pick for this season. We're going to try and have a, a coach from around the UK on each week. So that was just the start of that feature. Thank you very much to Coach Preston and we will check back in next week with another coach. Onwards. Now, to finish the show this week, I'm going to introduce another new feature, which I am geniusly naming the Ackerstacker. Um, I'm not I'm not traditionally a gambling man. My mother taught me from a young age that gambling was for fools. And I agree for the most part. However, when I do gamble, which is very rarely, I like to bet very small amounts on very big odds. OK, and I like to do it when I think. I have a chance of it all coming together. So I like to put accumulators on. Uh, an accumulator, very briefly, is when you bet on more than one game. So you could bet on, if it was the Premier League, you could bet on Man City and Man U to win. And if they're playing different teams and they both won, then you would win. But the odds are higher because the chances of both team winnings are lower than the chance of just one or the other team winning. Makes sense? Good. So in the NFL, they go a step further with their betting where they introduce things called handicap betting and handicap bets are where they will offer you the odds on a game with an with an added handicap on a certain team they'll either give that team points or take points away from that team and that defines the winning margin so if the the winning margin is less than the points that had already been added to the team that lost for example then that team would technically win in the accumulator. So you can bet on a team to win with a handicap. That team can then lose. But as long as it's by less points than the original handicap was, then you still win the bet. This is really interesting in the NFL because a lot of games run very close indeed. And I think especially early in the season when there's when there's less idea, then the odd setting is as much guesswork as it is statistical analysis. So... We are going to do something called the Ackerstacker. This is where I'm going to give you five games in order of how much I like these odds. And each time I'm going to tell you the odds on that game and then the accumulated odds that have come from the Acker as a whole. And then the returns that you'll get if you put two pounds is the, is the margin I'm going to put. I'm going to put two pounds on this accumulator. If you don't like all five, then check out and do less. But I'm putting on five. It gives very high odds because the chance of guessing all five games right is quite low but I'm not guessing I'm using analysis and my NFL brain so hopefully in a week's time I will be you know a few pounds better off because of my accumulator so <clears throat> let's see what my games are this week game number one Green Bay Packers are plus three and a half over the Bears the Bears have lost their defensive coordinator what I've heard out of lost the defensive coordinator, lost a few of their defensive players. I've heard from the organization that Trubisky and Matt Nagy aren't having the perfect relationship at the moment. And the fact of the matter is with Green Bay, we don't really know. All we know is that Aaron Rodgers is a very good quarterback. 
He's got a new head coach who's younger and offensive minded, which is good early in the season. And the defence is much improved. So Green Bay plus two and a half over the Bears. The odds are four to five. So if you put two pounds on, your return would be three pounds sixty. For me, that sounds like a solid bet. Even if the Bears, even if the Green Bay lose by one or two, the odds of the, the handicap is 3.5. So you'd make up your money, you'd be fine, you'd still get the returns of £3.60. So that's bet number one. Bet number two. San Francisco 49ers are minus one over the Buccaneers. Uh, the odds of this one are 10 to 11. I'm not sure that I wouldn't, as a San Francisco 49er, be offended by this. Minus one suggests that San Francisco are basically going to lose this game to a team that's in a complete re rebuild, has a new head coach quarterback relationship, has moved a lot of its defensive pieces, have got rid of their deep threat, has a QB who's average at the very best and in a traditionally losing franchise and organisation. And yet they've given San Francisco, who have an elite head coach in Carl Shanahan, a very good quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, a strong offensive grouping, especially with Marquise Goodwin and George Kittle in the receiver core, and a much improved defence from last year. They're only giving them minus one at the odds of 10 to 11. So if you add this bet to the first one, the accumulator goes up to 2.44 over one, with the returns being £6.87 on your initial £2 bet. Again, I think that's I think that's a very good bet to make. Barring a disaster, I think Carl Shanahan's new system that him and Garoppolo have put together this offseason, which no one will have seen, is going to be too much for this team that's in complete rebuild in Tampa Bay. So, number three. This is interesting. This is the Falcons plus four over the Vikings. I've already talked about the Falcons and the Vikings game and where it's going to be won and lost. It's going to be lost on the Vikings O-line and the Falcons D-line. Which is interesting because the Falcons head coach is an offensive mind and the Vikings head coach is a defensive mind. So it's not their speciality on either side. But I do like, even if the Vikings do manage to start moving the ball on the ground, I think Dan Quinn with Matt Ryan and all those amazing receivers, including Julio Jones, to only lose by a field goal plus four, then I think that's a very good bet. That would move your acker up to 5.56 over one, with the returns then being £13.12. I've said before, this is going to be a close game and this is going to be important for both teams' seasons. These, these They both need to get off to a very good start and assert that they can do the things they didn't do before. Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan have been to the Super Bowl together. Granted, they had Kyle Shanahan, they lost him and that's where they took a step back, but they've been on a rebuild since then. They have a lot of their defensive pieces back. Kirk Cousins tends to shrink in big games. Plus four, I like those odds. Next one. This is number four now. This is the Steelers plus five over the Patriots. The odds are 10 to 11 again. Plus five essentially means that the odds providers think that the Patriots are going to beat the Steelers by more than a touchdown. And I understand historically, Patriots are very hard to beat at home. They have one of the best defensive organisations in the NFL, but Tom Brady's a year older. He's still going to be effective, but he's not got one of his favourite targets in Rob, Rob Gronkowski. They've lost Nikhil Harry to the injury reserve already. They do have Demarius Thomas, but they've had to sign Josh Gordon, which to me suggests that Bill Belichick doesn't like dysfunction, and yet he's had to bring in a guy who's traditionally been on and off rosters and getting himself in a bit of trouble. That suggests to me that something wasn't quite clicking on the Patriots' offence. 
I think it was probably Josh Gordon is a, a physical and good run blocking wide receiver, but he's also a viable deep threat. And I think they might have realised actually that they were struggling to stretch the field out and they brought Josh Gordon back in. So they will be able to counter that. But first game of the season, new look Pittsburgh offence without Le'Veon Bell or Anthony, Antonio Brown for the first time. Big Ben with something to prove. Mike Tomlin with something to prove going into New England, who don't have to worry so much about being effective early because they have the weakest division in the NFL and they can still make up the points later down the line with their defense. Plus five on the Steelers. I like those odds. That moves the Acker to 11.52 over one and the returns on a two pound bet become 25 pounds. Starting to build up. And these are all, I don't think, I've, I don't think I'm insane so far. These all sound like things that should and could be happening. I like my odds so far. Final one. This one's very interesting. This is the Texans are plus seven over the Saints. So the Texans start the game a touchdown ahead. The odds are 10 to 10 to 11 again. Starting a touchdown ahead against the Saints. Uh, I understand the Saints are have been a very successful team in recent years. They've got Drew Brees, but I like a lot of what the Texans have done, especially recently. They've got, they moved um, Jadavian Clowney on, which I think, and in return, they got uh, an offensive tackle in Laramie Tunstall, who is a much needed improvement on their offensive line. And with that and bringing in Kenny Stills as well, I think that offense is now very scary. They've got Carlos Hyde at the running back position. He's effective. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been a brilliant um, QB talent without much help on offensive line at all. And now their number two receiver, because John Joe Hopkins will be number one, is again a very, very viable passing option. Again, in going into a new scheme, won't know what the offense are going to be doing. The Saints defense is good, but it isn't perfect by any means. And I think this is going to come down to who explodes quicker and I, I like the Saints. I like what they do. I like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and Drew Brees as a trio. But I think plus seven for them to win by more than a touchdown against this Texas team, which has made all the right moves in this offseason and to me looks to be moving in very much the right direction in terms of organisation. I really like those odds. And that moves the Acker to 22.91, nearly 23 over one, with the returns on a two pound investment becoming 47.81 pounds. I think this is a good acca, people. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. So let me run back over it. Green Bay plus 3.5 over the Bears. That's odds of 4 to 5. 49ers minus 1 over the Buccaneers. That's 10 to 11 and moves the acca to 2.4 over 1. Falcons plus 4 over the Vikings. That's 10 to 11 and the acca goes to 5.56. The Steelers plus five over the Patriots. That's 10 to 11. And the Acker moves to 11.52. And the Texans plus seven over the Saints moves to 10 to 11 as well. I don't think that any of my logic in there is flawed at all. Um, if you don't like some of the bets, then feel free to just include them and take slightly lower odds. But there you are. There is my Acker stacker for this week. Five bets possible returns of £47 on a £2 initial investment. And that is the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. I cannot wait to come back next week and talk about week one. It's going to be a brilliant week with the Green Bay Packers kicking off against the Chicago Bears this evening. I'm going to wake up early Friday morning and try and catch the end of that at least. Thank you very much for listening. 
I hope you enjoyed your week and enjoy week one as much as I certainly will. And I will see you next week for more Acker Stackers, more guests and more NFL talk. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.